Hey, y'all. So you remember how this podcast is about mistakes? Mistakes. Ow. Yeah. Um, you may have noticed we sort of are uploading this podcast episode like a week late. Um, Mind you, we had every intention of recording the intro to this episode in the woods, sending that intro to Elisa, and Elisa uploading this intro in our pre-recorded episode while we were still in the woods. Um, the thing about that is we just didn't have any service, really, first of all. Um, it wouldn't have been impossible to get the episode to her, but it would have been much more difficult than I personally was willing to put in the effort to do while I was on vacation. Um, And it ultimately would have fallen on me because I'm the one with the car. And I was the one who would have to drive to a place with Wi Fi. Um, So don't come at Nika for this. Okay, this was my mistake. However, we did emerge from the woods several days ago now. So we could have just uploaded it sooner than a full week late. Um, but somehow while we were on this trip, my cords for my Yeti microphones, um, that we use to record when we are not in the studio, my cords got misplaced. I think that they got put in, um, a friend's bag, one of the friends that we were camping with. And, um, for whatever reason, They did not make it back into my car with us on our road trip back, nor did they make it back to my New York apartment. So when we went to try to record an intro to this episode, um, we realized we didn't have any way to connect these microphones to my laptop, thus rendering us incapable of recording an intro Um, And we didn't want to just upload the episode without an intro because it's just very jarring and not to the format. Um, So we decided to walk all the way to Fresh Pond, um, which if you're not familiar with New York, that's in Queens, but it's kind of close to where Nika and I both live because that was the closest electronic store that probably had the kind of cords that we needed. Lo and behold, we arrived at that electronic store to yellow police tape and a news anchor outside and a literal detective flashing his badge to get inside of the electronic store. Um, And it turned out a murder had happened. So we took that as a sign to maybe just take it easy and release this episode in a couple of days from that incident. So today now. Um, When I was able to get recording equipment via other means, and we were able to record um, this week's episode with Elisa's equipment in Elisa's studio as we normally do. So I'm coming to you live right now, literally moments before publishing this episode, which is technically last week's episode um, on a brand new cord um connecting my microphone to to my laptop and we will be releasing this episode 
and this week's episode at the same time. So you have a double episode treat to make up for a lack of an episode last week. So sorry about that. However, if you were subscribed to the Patreon, you did not miss a Patreon episode last week because that shit was locked and loaded and scheduled ahead of time. Um, So congrats to y'all. You still got a dose of Nika and Anya last week. And I'm so happy for you. Um, But for everyone else, technically, it's the same amount of content, just not spread out across two weeks. Uh, Instead, all in one day and kind of a day late. Although I don't think we're strictly Thursdays anymore. We've released on Fridays too many times in a row now to say that we're a podcast that comes out on Thursdays. So I'm counting this as on time. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I'm so sorry. And um, this is not your typical intro. You'll notice that it's just me and not Nika right now. Um, We're not going to do a mistakes, keepsakes, hot takes for this episode. We're also not going to do a fuck up of the week for this episode, but everything else is as normal. Um, we realized just because we were recording like two episodes at once, our like weekly segments didn't make sense to record all at one time. Um, so if you want to hear our mistakes, keepsakes, hot takes, and fuck up of the week um, for the time that we were gone... Um, All of that is in the next episode, which is also being released right now. So tune into that um, and get a load of how confidently Nika and I are about to talk in our pre-recorded episode about how um, we're going to send you guys an intro from the woods. <laughs> That's how this the next part of this episode is about to unfold for you. You're about to hear us really believing in the past that the future was going to pan out very differently than it did. Um, and I refuse to edit it out because we embrace our mistakes here on Best Mistakes Podcast. And um, I want you to be in this mistake with us. I want you to feel it with us. This is me holding us accountable, you know? This is me um, admitting that we could have done better, but we are doing our best. And podcast hosts deserve days off too, okay? So just rest assured that while we were not recording an intro, we were having the best fucking time in the woods. And we can't wait to tell you all about it. Um, In fact, we already did in the very next episode. So enjoy these back-to-back episodes. We love you so much. All right. You're listening to us two weeks in the past. Yeah. You just heard our intro um, from our time in the woods. But right now we're not in the woods. Right now we're anticipating being in the woods. So how how this trip is going, I don't know. You tell us. <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> we have no idea. We have no clue, darling. I bet, I'll bet you anything that we're talking a lot in the, these accents. And probably. In that intro. Probably, we're probably on a drug. We're probably on drug. <laughs> yeah. Even if not like actively, like our brains. Are on drug. Our brains are are like spiritually on drug on drug <laughs> are you on drug right now are you on fucking drug right now <laughs> <laughs> you look me in, the, in my eye and tell me you're not on drug right now um, um yeah. so anyway uh i just like want to get there 
Yeah, I mean, and while people are listening to we're this, there. we're there. I know. Wait, this is going to be a funny episode for you to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like um, the 2019 Little Women. Where yeah. <laughs> you only know what time period they're in according to Saoirse Ronan's hair. Yeah, and like the general filter on the lens. Yeah. Um, you only know what time period we're in um, because we just told you. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I assume the sound quality is a little bit different um, just yeah. by very nature of us recording in physically different spaces. Yeah. Who knows? There's, there might be nature ambiance in the background of whatever our recording is. Who knows? While we're there. Who knows? Um, maybe we'll just record in, like, my car or something. Maybe. I just want to get there. I mean, we leave in less than a week. I, I mean, yeah, we leave. To, yeah, we leave in, what, Sunday is when we're leaving? Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. We have just, you know, our regular scheduled programming for the rest of this episode. Yes. Um, so let's start with a listener mistake. Listener mistakes. This is from Haley. I made the mistake recently of letting my negative $10 easy pass balance turn into $200 worth of violations to be able to register my car. Money isn't real, so it's okay. So true, bestie. And so true. I've been there, bestie. not with an easy pass, but with other fees. Oh, yeah. Overdraft fees. Overdraft fees. Credit card fees. Um, general interest on random bills that I accidentally, like, you know, was returned from my bank account or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so true, bestie. That's also um, the person who wrote that is my best friend of, like, middle and high school. So it's very funny that, like, we ended up with the same life philosophy of money's not real, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, probably because we're from the same blue-collar town where uh, nobody is good with money. But on, on account of them living there at all, all right so my deep dive is a health related mistake like it's a it's a story that has mistakes in it more than it is just a mistake but i haven't told the story of when i got a bloody uti in the woods have i no (laughs) i think i figure it's fitting because we're about to go into the woods and do a bunch of drugs and this is a time that i was in the woods doing a bunch of drugs and it led to me ignoring my um own health um not ignoring but underestimating the severity of the burning of my urine. So it's basically, um, you know, that's the gist of it. But the details are that when I was 19, I went on a camping trip with a group of my friends um, that was only going to be for like, I think it was only like two or three days that we um, were planning on going on this trip. And it wasn't like a road trip or anything. It was just, we lived in Vermont and we were going camping in Vermont. It wasn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a lifelong history of getting UTIs. I guess I just have a gaping urethra. Tiny, tiny, tiny little vaginal canal. Um, So tight. I have a wide set urethra. (laughs) Yeah. Heavy vaginal canal. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my fault that I have um, propensity for UTIs and a wide set urethra. Um, 
<laughs> anyway, so um, I, yeah, I've gotten UTIs my whole life. My mom is a um, home remedies queen, and so every time I would get a UTI, she would come up with some concoction, some combination of home remedies that would get rid of it. So I was under the impression that home remedies were a feasible way to tackle a UTI. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that that's untrue. I just think that you need to actually know what the fuck you're doing and not just be like, let's throw cranberry juice at it. Um, So rather than like... um, Obtaining any real information on, like, what a actual home remedy is, all I remembered was cranberry juice. So we get to the camping trip. I immediately get, like, I get a UTI within the first 12 hours. Uh Like, I go to pee, and I'm like, oop, that is the burn that only a UTI can cause. Mm -hmm. There's no denying it. There's no pretending that it's not there. Like, I need to address this UTI. Immediately after that, I shatter my phone. So I can't like Google UTI remedies or anything. Mm. Um, So I just drive to the nearest town and I like go to the AT&T to like put in my order for a new phone so that it's at my apartment by the time I'm done with the camping trip. But still, at this point, I'm still rendered phoneless. Mm -hmm. This was actually my very last iPhone was this iPhone that I ordered at that AT&T that day. Um, And then I went to the grocery store and I just got a bunch of cranberry juice and a bunch of like probiotics. And I went back to that camping site um, with the intention of just being there for the next two days and thinking that, hey, as long as I stay hydrated and drink this cranberry juice, it's going to be fine. Um, then when I get back, we immediately all decide it's time to do mushrooms. So I do mushrooms and the rest of that day, I am just on mushrooms and I'm no longer paying attention to my UTI symptoms um, because, you know, I'm on drug. And that's all that matters at that point. And to be fair, this was one of the best mushroom trips of my entire life. Um, I fell in love on this mushroom trip or rather my my ex-boyfriend and I like kind of admitted to our admitted our feelings to each other during that mushroom trip. Like that was the day we started dating. And then we dated for like two years after that. And it was like the best relationship I've ever been in. Um, Some really magical, beautiful things happened on that mushroom trip. Like we found a nest of baby birds and like we I mean, we were on a lake. It was gorgeous. We like had all these like life realizations. I laughed really hard with my friends. It started pouring rain. And like because we were on shrooms, it was like beautiful rather than upsetting that it was raining. Like, you know, it was a fantastic day. Yeah. However, it did lead to me the following day um, waking up to the UTI being bloody like actual blood being peed out of my urethra which has never happened before because i had never just ignored a uti for several days like that before um because like i said this was my first uti outside of the care of my mother who like had a lot more knowledge around how to actually at home treat a uti it probably didn't help that i was like in the woods and like rolling around in the dirt and like just you know only adding to the bacterial 
um, Petri dish that was my yeah. urethra at that point. Um, and then again, because it's like my last day of this trip, I just still don't do anything about it because I'm like, well, I'm going home tomorrow and then I'll like go to the doctor. Yeah. Um, but I also didn't want to call out of work. So my plan was to go to work and then go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And while at work, I get really, really hot. Like I can feel that I like have a fever and I begin to get lightheaded and like, I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I get, like, vague lower back pain. And so I go to the emergency room from work. um, And they're like, hey, um, you ignored a bloody UTI for several days. And it was about to travel to your kidneys and turn into a full-blown kidney infection. Oh, my God. And your body um, breaking into a fever was its way of, like, alerting you to how, like, severe this was about to be. Um, So since then, I have never had a UTI where I don't immediately just treat it with antibiotics. Um, Shout out to all the people who are able to just do the home remedy thing. I love that for you. I was once one of you, but I can never take my chances again um, so long as I live. And I don't really get UTIs anymore. Hot tip, if you are also a UTI-prone person, um, the... Supplement D-Manos is a supplement that, like, flushes out your urinary tract. And um, so it's really good to take that um, anytime that you're in UTI risky territory. Like, I'm going to take it on this trip. Like, I'm going to take the supplement with me on this trip and Mm -hmm. just take it every day because I've noticed that when I'm, like, camping and in the woods and my hygiene is not necessarily, like, where it should be Mm -hmm. um, or where it normally is, is when I get UTIs. Also... Um, after I have sex, I always take that supplement. Um, and I take it if I have like a yeast infection so it doesn't like travel to my urethra. Like it's just, it's a life hack that several other UTI baddies um, suggested to me in my youth. And ever since I started regularly taking it when I'm, um, when I feel like it might be useful, I haven't really had a UTI since. Knock on wood. Hell yeah mistake much like you having no fucking idea what you were doing (laughs) and it um leading to something that honestly could have been disastrous for you um this relates to this week's best mistake uh which is about um our kind of like favorite scammer and internet influencer and terminally online girly Miss Caroline Calloway. Absolutely. Um, If you're not terminally online, then you probably don't know who she is. So I'm just going to pull up my first source, which is her Wikipedia page. (laughs) Um, So Miss Caroline Calloway. Sagittarius. Wow. Sagittarius icon. Um, She um, is, let's see, 30 years old. So she's a millennial queen. She is um, described as an American internet celebrity, and she is most known for posting Instagram photos with long-form captions. Mm -hmm. She loves to say that she created this. She did not. I don't know that I would credit anyone besides, like, Lena Dunham with creating this kind of internet style of using your Instagram captions as, like, an unofficial blog. Sure. 
even Lena Dunham, like, I don't know, you know, but it's, like, if anyone's gonna get credit for, like, creating that, it's gonna be someone, like, a lot more famous than Also, Caroline like, Calloway. I'm sorry, do you think that that wasn't being done by, like, not famous people already? Yeah, I mean, obviously people were doing it, but I think, like, you know, if we're gonna attribute, like, anyone to kind of tapping in on that market, it would be... Like Lena Dunham, or like Janet Mock, or like Laverne Cox, oh, or totally, totally, Harry totally. Neff, like the girlies who were really girling in that time period. Um, the girls that girl, girl. Girl. And the girls that don't, don't. Or as the TikTok sound goes, the girls that girl, wait, what is it? Girl, 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 Whatever. Anyways. Um, so. She, you know, she gets on Instagram in 2012 um, while she is at NYU. Um, and she hops on Instagram. Her story is that she got on Instagram and she posted a photo of macaroons one day and tagged it. It landed on the Explorer page and it got her 50,000 followers. Or it got, it got 50,000 likes and with that came like 50,000 or more followers and that she was like blown away by being Instagram famous so fast. But she like, she knew when she did it, that it was like something she wanted to tap into. She wanted to be an internet. She wanted to be more of like an internet writer than an, than an influencer, but she wanted to do both. Um, but that is a lie. So that's actually not what happened. Um, and I'll get into that. So anyway, she meets Natalie Beach, who becomes her basically her closest friend for upwards of seven years. They meet at NYU in class. And her Instagram account starts documenting her life when she was at Cambridge. Um, and it contains lengthy captions accompanied by, you know, cute photos of her life. Um, and again, she said that this all happened naturally, but then it ends up being proven by Natalie that Callaway actually was buying followers and then purchasing ads to grow her account, um, like most influencers do. So, in September 2019, this is, like, when everyone kind of... This is when, like, the shit hit the fan for Caroline Calloway and what really put her on the map in terms of everyone, like, kind of finding out... Like, if you didn't already know who Caroline Calloway was... In 2013, 2014, 2015, you probably didn't know who she was until 2019. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people. It's because Natalie Beach goes on to write an essay for The Cut called I Was Caroline Calloway. Now, Natalie Beach, again, was her closest friend for like seven years in New York. They were writing together. Natalie Beach was essentially her ghostwriter. So mm-hmm. she was helping Caroline write all of her captions for her Instagram photos and was like, pouring over them and Caroline and Natalie had like I feel like you know I feel like a lot of girls can kind of be split into two camps you kind of have like either the Caroline Calloways of the world or the Natalie Beaches of the world not always but very often in friendships and Caroline was like the effervescent hot beautiful one that men laid down their coats for in the streets and she came from money and privilege and she made you feel really special when you were sitting with her and she would tell Natalie how amazing she was and you're a prolific writer, you're the smartest person I know, I couldn't do any of this without you. Natalie was the opposite. Natalie was a bit frumpy. She did not come from money, you know, Where whereas Caroline grew up with family money 
in Virginia and her family, you know, owns like half of South Florida. Natalie grew up in New Haven and doesn't come from money. Um, and Natalie, you know, while, while, um, Caroline was living in a West Village rented apartment that was painted like Tiffany blue with like gorgeous, gorgeous family heirlooms. Natalie was living in what she describes as a railway um, apartment that was sinking into the Gowanus Canal. (laughs) Um, While Caroline was going on trips to Sicily and Ibiza, Caroline was harvesting lettuce on the roof of Whole Foods. Or sorry, Natalie. Um, So like just very different girls. Uh Caroline was able to like play into this dynamic and basically get Natalie to do whatever the fuck she wanted. And everybody, you know, Natalie was known at NYU as being a a prolific writer. Um, But the one critique that she said that she would get in this article for the cut from her um, from her writing professors was that she like wrote with too much of an itinerary. Like she was, you know, she didn't she didn't have enough freedom in her writing, Mm -hmm. whereas Caroline had all the freedom because she had the money and the vision. So they kind of became like the perfect team. Um, and Natalie ended up following Caroline around. They go to Sicily together. They travel around together. Um, they go all over Italy together. Um, and so in her essay, Beach discloses, and this is when the shit really hits the fan for Caroline in 2019, that she had ghostwritten a number of the captions credited to Calloway on Instagram and that she had actually closely collaborated with her to produce a subsequent book proposal. Um, Calloway, leading up to this article, she knew it was coming. Everyone kind of knew it was coming. So she... I don't really know that I would, that I would even say she was trying to get ahead of it. It seems like Caroline, for all of her, you know, what if you want to call it character flaws, for all of her chaos narcissism, delusions of grandeur, I don't know. She's been described using a lot of these phrases... Um, she seemed to be really affected by what, by what Natalie was doing. You know, she felt very guilty for the fact that she had used Natalie, she said. And so she started crediting former Instagram captions to Natalie in the week leading up to the article coming out. And Mm -hmm. was like, Natalie wrote this, Natalie wrote that, Natalie helped me write the book, Natalie's the best writer I know. I'm really sad that Natalie is doing this to me because it feels like it's coming out of nowhere, but also I understand that she has her right to tell her own story and... Etc. 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 So Callaway then goes on to respond to a series of blog entries on her personal web- website titled aptly titled "I Am Caroline Callaway," but like every single one of her projects, she never completes it. What led to Natalie writing this article for the Cut in 2019 starts here in 2016. So in 2016, it was announced that Caroline Calloway was going to publish a memoir titled "And We Were Like." Which was a reference to the way that, you know, women and girls mm-hmm. often speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And we were like, what? Which I think is honestly genius. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a memoir about her time at Cambridge. Um, Flatiron Books, which is an imprint of Macmillan Publishers, um, was going to publish it with the help of literary agent Bird Leval. Um, Bird Leval is pretty prolific. He's worked with a lot of, like, New York uh, kind of, like, not like you know, New York celebrities in their own right, and then also Donald Trump, um, which is very funny. And no one knew this at the time. Um, so during her final year at Cambridge, because Calloway leaves NYU and goes back to Cambridge. So during her final year at Cambridge, Calloway hires Beach to co-write the book and proposal. 
Um, and according to Beach, though it was never written down, there was never any like legal guarantee to this happening. Caroline told Natalie that she would give her 35% of whatever she made off the book, um, even though she would be an unofficial ghostwriter. So Caroline goes on. She sets up an initial meeting with Bird Leval, the literary agent, and uh, by pretending... So she pretends to Leval's secretary that she's already his client, which is how she gets the meeting. Um, and she gets it. He's impressed with her. He's kind of blown away. But he's since said of his experience working with Calloway that she was at the time deeply unwell and deeply dishonest and that it was more important to her to be seen as an author than it was to be an author. She didn't know how to be an author. Mm. So Calloway publicly announced that Flatiron Books had offered her a book deal to write a memoir for $500,000 in 2015. Um, and she received 30% of this as an advance, which she immediately spends all of it. Um, <laughs> so relatable. So relatable. Natalie says that the advance was actually more like $350,000 and not five hundred. Jesus. But Either she way. still corroborates that, that Caroline spent all of it pretty immediately. What did she spend it on? Honestly, I don't know. Natalie doesn't really, like, say in the article. It's kind of confusing to know what Caroline was, like, spending her own money on because she... And, like, what money was hers because she comes from family money and, you know, like, Natalie talks about, like, a memory at one point when she falls she falls asleep. She's writing. Um, she's trying to transcribe Instagram captions into what's going to be the first draft of this book. And she falls asleep on Caroline's, like, bed. And she falls asleep to Caroline hunched over at her desk and uh, her computer wearing a fur coat and ordering things with her credit card out. And when she wakes up in the morning, Caroline is still in the same fur coat ordering what has been now like a tab of $6,000 worth of furniture for her apartment. Absolutely. So I'm assuming it's coming from family money. Uh-huh. I mean, it's also, you know, it's like important to note that at the time, like, and Caroline Calloway has been honest with this, that she was struggling from both mental health issues and like a really severe Adderall addiction. Mm. Um, That'll do it. Natalie writes about how, you know, they would, that the apartment, Caroline's apartment, the floor when they would write together would be littered with um, empty capsules of Adderall that looked like, you know, cockroaches on the floor. And the table would be scattered with half-smoking joints that they would smoke so they could eat the burritos that they had ordered to fuel themselves. Um, so just like a very codependent relationship of kind of like living on absolutely no fuel to create this dream of writing this book that I think in Natalie's mind was going to be written, but in Caroline's mind, I don't know that the book was ever anything mm -hmm. that she really set out to do. It was just the idea of writing the book and then the idea of being an author. Right. Um, for Natalie, it was more than that. In 2017... Uh, Calloway announces via her Instagram stories that she's withdrawing from her book deal because she failed to fulfill her contract. At this point, her whole team has fired her and she owes about $100,000. So after that, Calloway offers the book proposal with personal annotations for sale on Etsy. Nothing happens. <laughs> no one buys it. But this kind of like uh, sets up for the kind of last half of of this scam episode, if you will. So the writing workshops, if you remember this, you remember how fucking crazy this was <laughs> in 2018, Caroline Calloway launches 
what she calls an international creativity workshop tour. Um, Her original announcement indicates that the workshop is going to offer tutorials on building an Instagram brand, developing ideas, and addressing the emotional and spiritual dimensions of making art. (laughs) Participation in this tour, tickets were priced at $165 per person, and it included getting your own mini garden in a mason jar, (laughs) making flower crowns, and eating cooked salads. Now, if anyone remembers when this happened, you will remember when Caroline Calloway posted on her Instagram stories a um, U-Haul delivery truck pulling up to her West Village apartment with hundreds of boxes with mason jars in them that she had nowhere to put in her apartment. And that kind of set off the shit show. So tickets were sold for events in Boston, in Denver, in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, in Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Austin, Charlotte, and Washington, D.C. Mind you, tickets start being sold a month before the tour. She doesn't have a single place booked. (laughs) Nothing is booked. But nobody knows this. What year is this? This is 2018. God, Fire Festival. Fire Festival was also 2018. Well, so this starts being compared to, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the influencer Caroline's influencer Fire Fest. Mm-hmm. So it's like pretty soon it's clear that like shit is not going well. Caroline is on Instagram. She's like begging people in Philly to just come down to New York. Like just take the train and just come to New York for this tour. I couldn't find a place in Philly. I'm sorry, but you know, I can't refund you your tickets, but you can still come. And people are like, no, we want our money back. Oh, my God. So the tour gets canceled because Callaway fails to book venues for the events. And Callaway announces that she's going to refund those who have already bought tickets. But she doesn't. She eventually holds two workshops in New York, um, which got mixed reviews. Some people that were there said, like, the salads were amazing. Um, They learned a little bit. But... Um, instead of <laughs> making flower crowns, they were offered a single flower to put in their hair for a photo op, and then they had to give the flower back. <laughs> and instead of getting mini gardens and mason jars, they were given mason jars that had packets of seeds inside of them and dirt. Oh, my God. The cancellation of the workshop obviously gains public attention because reporter Kaylee Donaldson creates a Twitter thread that gains news coverage comparing Callaway's tour to Firefest. Um... Callaway goes on to make t-shirts for sale on Threadless, which have the caption, Stop Hate Following Me, Kaylee. And Threadless, she she says that she takes that she took the shirts down because she didn't want to bully Kaylee, but what really happened is that Threadless suspended the sale of the shirts for violating their targeted harassment policy. Um and in 2019. Caroline Calloway, she doubles down on her reputation as a scammer, and she holds a second creativity workshop in New York called The Scam. Um, The press is not invited to the event, but a vice reporter goes undercover and buys a ticket and attended the event under a false name and published the article about her experience, detailing how much of a scam the scam really was. Um, So the article in 2019 was released by Natalie Beach, it's kind of, like, all over the place. But, like, nothing really happens to Caroline Calloway. 
Um, in April 2020, she announces that she is going to publish a response to the essay that Beach wrote about her. I don't know if she did or not. I couldn't, I didn't find it online. But she was interviewed by a number of uh, different publications where she was able to tell her side of the story. Which honestly, she like kind of corroborates at everything um, Natalie says. Like, she never once is like, Natalie's lying. She's like, yeah, Natalie was my ghostwriter and like I I didn't do what I was supposed to do and I had a drug problem and I had you know suicidal ideation etc etc her like downfall is that while doing all of this she still tries to frame all of the criticism at this point in time thrown at her as being like misogynistic and people don't want to see women succeed and if I were a man people wouldn't be doing this and it's actually feminist to scam people and I was showing you know I was scamming the publishing world as like performance art I'm a performance artist like I did this on purpose which like I relate to because I said the same thing when I like ran a scam campaign for state rep and I was like it was performance art but really I just was also having a mental health breakdown so mm-hmm. I get it Caroline I get it the girlies love to take their mental health breakdowns and turn it and, into feminism well turn <laughs> it into um public scandal feminism yeah um so in December 2019 she announced that she was going to publish a memoir called scammer that would be printed <laughs> on demand and shipped in spring 2020 then she went on to say on her website that because of delays in production she would instead be combining her blog I'm Caroline Calloway with her manuscript for Scammer instead, which would allow her to expand her essay, I Am Caroline Calloway, into three parts. Then in July 2020, she announced that the book was estimated to ship by August 31st of that year. Well, Scammer did not ship on August 31st, 2020. And to date, it's now May, or it's now April 2022, she still has not provided any writing, publishing, or shipping updates on either of the two memoirs that are still um, up for pre-sale order on her website that people have continued to buy. So then she gets into more hot water. In 2020, this is when she blocked me on Twitter. In <laughs> this 20- really loves taking baths. Yeah. In hot, 2020... Hot Calloway creates an OnlyFans account, and she promises videographic and pornographic content containing nudity. She goes on to allege in interviews that her intention to enter the adult entertainment industry had been planned by Playboy, and that the magazine had commissioned a photo shoot of her dressed as a student in a library. When asked, Playboy stated, Playboy does not have and did not have any photo shoot planned with Caroline Calloway. Calloway has described her sex work as emotionally poignant, softcore, cerebral (laughs) porn. She went on to say that her content includes cosplay of characters from children's movies such as Harry Potter, Matilda, and Beauty and the Beast, and partially undressed photographs of herself captioned with details of her father's autopsy. She also was branding herself as being the first woman on... Uh, I'm the first woman on OnlyFans to have a degree from Cambridge. Yeah, that, oh my god, she really caused a ruckus. Which landed her one. in hot water. Not only that, but she didn't post any nudes. All of yeah. her photos were of her in kind of cottage core dresses with her tit half out but no nipple showing or, you know, her ass in a photo, but she has a thong on. So it's never, which is fine. If that's what you want your OnlyFans to be, for sure, bestie, go off. But that is but not... just tell people but that. But just tell people that. And don't you know, once again, she fell into the trap of trying to be like, I'm creating something that no one else is. I'm special. Right. And it's like, no, there are plenty plenty of softcore OnlyFans is out there. And plenty of OnlyFans creators that went to 
impressive schools. Yes. Um, Severe main character syndrome. Wait, and how did that, um, how'd you get blocked? Or why did you get blocked? Um, I got blocked because she tweeted something about like, oh, people are just hating, something about like, you know, people are hating on me and it's not fair. And I just tweeted at her and I was like, girl, I just apologize to sex work, like sex workers for making that like really stupid statement and like move on. Mm -hmm. Um, And she blocked me. Which was annoying because I wasn't even coming at her. Like, I think Caroline Calloway is honestly a very, like, interesting, cool, in a way, person. Like, <laughs> I don't know that I would want to be friends with her, uh-huh. but I don't think she's a bad person. Mm-hmm. I think she's honestly, like, kind of a... Well, I'll, I'll save it. Okay. Until we wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, some more shit that she's been criticized for. Um... In April 2020, she got criticized for posting a tweet with an anti-Semitic uh, cartoon <laughs> with a caption mocking Natalie Beach, her former ghostwriter. Um, but then she deleted and apologized for the tweet. She also further attracted criticize- criticism after she liked and shared a suggestion on social media that she should dress up as Anne Frank for her OnlyFans account. Um, sorry, that's not funny. She got criticized for posting an image of a Japanese shunga, which is erotic art, on her Instagram, which depicted a woman fucking a bat. I think that's pretty cool. I'd fuck a bat. If a bat, <laughs> like if a bat could consent, I'd fuck a bat. Totally. Who would fuck a bat? Bats are. Have you seen bats? They're big. I'd fuck a bat. I'd fuck a dog. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, she, she captioned the image. The first human case. Oh, okay. Never mind. So this is why she got in trouble. I didn't read all the way through. She got called out because she said the first human case of the corona outbreak, but make it porn, um, which obviously is engaging in the stereotype that Asian people are responsible for the coronavirus, which is pretty wildly irresponsible. And also specifically with like in regards to bats. Yeah. Okay. I take it back. Take it back. Her last and most recent controversy was written about on Vice on March 9th of this year. And this is about her skincare product that she created this year, snake oil. Um, And this is where it gets, like, very Elizabeth Holmes. So she moved out of her New York apartment um, in February. And over the past few months, she was deleting most of her social media presence. She did, however, post a bunch of TikTok videos explaining that she's decamping to Florida to write a memoir and be with her grandmother, which is funny because she still hasn't produced the two books that she said she was going to write. But announcing this got a bunch of criticism from fans who want some answers about snake oil. Some customers are still awaiting their shipments of her flagship and only product. There have been numerous uh, Freedom of Information Act requests about uh, that show that a few people have submitted complaints about snake oil to the Federal Trade Commission, which is not going to probably bode them any results. But back in July 2021, Caroline Calloway launched a skincare product, she said. She goes on to say that it's snake oil. Um, she, make, she made a bunch of pretty, like, untrue promises about the snake oil. She called it a homemade elixir that was the fountain of youth and claimed it would repair cellular, <laughs> cellular damage to the skin. She also promised it was just the first in a line of skincare products and one she'd been using for 10 years. And it cost an eye-watering amount of $75 for a one-ounce bottle. She's a compulsive liar. Yeah. That's, like, clearly all this is. I mean, that doesn't make it... That's not an excuse, but it's just, like, clearly everything she does is with the same over-promising and, like, no follow-through of 
your classic narcissist compulsive liar. Yeah, and you know, naturally skincare uh, people have weighed in um, and have called out this product as being bullshit. One, grapeseed oil is the main ingredient, which sells for about $3 for a four ounce bottle at most natural food stores and is not really great for your skin. It's also, the elixir was also accompanied by a lineup of other fragrant oils that a dermatologist told Vice could very easily lead to a sensitizing reaction. Um, Obviously, most skincare experts do not recommend putting fragrances of any kind on your face. And a Vice reporter by the name of Catherine Rogers pointed out at the time that the sterility of the product was also questionable, given that there was a visible cat hair in one of the product shots (laughs) Callaway posted to Instagram. Um... So, like with her, <laughs> like with her books and her um, tour, and her tour, many of her followers complained that their snake oil orders never appear appeared, and she not only was uh, selling snake oil elixir that was never showing up, she also was having virtual yard sales to sell everything in her apartment, down from chandeliers to rugs to just everything, and um. Her Instagram is currently full of comments from people talking about the fact that they have not received any of these items that they purchased in the digital yard sale. One of the uh, complaints to the FTC reads, She's selling a $75 bottle of untested face oil and making several unsubstantiated, undocumented, unscientific, false, misleading, deceptive claims about its medical benefits and efficacy. She claims that it is the elixir of youth, and that in a month you'll see results, despite zero testing. Claims that the ingredients can repair damage to DNA at a cellular level and reduce skin cancer cells, among other outrageous claims. None of these claims have been tested and there are no sources for them. She's marketing this to her impressionable Instagram followers and lying about having used the concoction herself for years. She also provides no contact information, has no posted refund policy, and no timeline for shipping. Additionally, she has been selling pre-orders of a book on her website for over a year, since January 2020, with no updates about when it will be written or shipped to those who paid. She originally promised that it would be shipped in March 2020, then pushed in multiple times without notifying customers. Now she's taken the long past estimated shipping date off her website, and it just says it will come when it comes, (laughs) as she continues to advertise the book on her Instagram and take money from people for pre-orders. Also, no refund policy for this. Um, She also appears to owe money to her followers from other business ventures. As I said, comments on TikTok and her now-deleted Instagram presence show a multitude of people asking how to get money back that they Venmoed or sent via PayPal to her for things ranging from art to a chandelier in her apartment. One comment reads, I assume you got rid of the chandelier I bought since the apartment is empty, LOL. One person wrote to the FTC to complain about not receiving a product they'd bought from her on Instagram. It says, she stated that she would accept Venmo for these products she listed on her Instagram story. I paid and I kept on asking for help, but only heard back once. I look at her Instagram and there are other customers who are not receiving their products either. In the comments, people are mentioning not receiving anything. Neither the FTC nor the FDA have taken any regulatory action against her and they're unlikely to do so. Um... The FTC FTC does have disclosure guidelines for influencers, which, among other things, requires people not to invent baseless or untested claims about a product. Um, But as this article says, the world of influencers is so vast, and Callaway is literally like just one drop in the influencer bucket, 
that to attract regulatory notice, you'd have to really fuck up. Mm -hmm. Um, An FTC spokesperson also told Motherboard Advice, we have not announced any action related to Caroline Calloway. And since FTC investigations are non-public, we generally do not comment on whether or not we're investigating a particular matter. So to wrap it up, as I said, she went to Florida and the poet Rachel Rabbit White, who has a very online presence, moved into Calloway's apartment recently and documented the wreckage left behind. She said it, um, that the floors are smeared with dirt, fetid countertops, mystery jars of liquid in the refrigerator, wads of trash and batteries in the sink. White has been kind about Calloway herself, writing on her Instagram, I really feel for her. Obviously things got dot 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 intense dot 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 in her life. From what I know, she seems like a person who wants to give people around her lots of love, but I'm not sure that anyone was taking care of her in return. Um, the article goes on to say that it's unclear whether Calloway moved out voluntarily or was evicted, but court records appear to show that her landlord filed for eviction papers in New York's housing court in 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19, stating that she owed several thousand dollars in back rent. Um... Callaway nor her agent have responded to questions about whether Callaway is being evicted or moving out voluntarily. Um, but the fact that she handed the apartment over to White suggests the latter. Um, and, you know, Callaway at the moment seems undaunted. She posts regularly to TikTok. She likes and retweets every comment about her on Twitter, good or bad, approving or exasperated. Her book is still available for pre-order, not being written. Um, she's currently, you know, out of New York. Moral of the story. I think there's, like, so much to unpack here. One, being a millennial coming of age in the 20-teens... I think the majority of us that had any kind of, like, big personality or felt special or felt, like, more intelligent than the average person. Like, anyone who felt like we were, that we could, like, set out to do something big, we all wanted to be some kind of influencer before influencers Mm -hmm. were who they are now, which I think is important for, like, Gen Z or anyone who doesn't remember what influencers looked like back then. It was, like, you know, Caroline Calloway has said several times that she considers being an influencer, like, a form of art. It was considered, like, artistic in the 2010s. Yes, totally. To be an influencer. It's, like... The cool it girls were influencers. It was. It, it, it was the, also like a lot harder to do. To do, and it felt like it wasn't about selling products. It felt like feminist and like radical and cool to be able to like connect with an Instagram audience and like use it as like a blog. Yeah, and, like, it wasn't. It was a, also kind of in conjunction with like the Tumblr days. Yeah. So there was an artistic, like you had to have some kind of artistic like hook yes not necessarily every time but for the most part influencers were not born out of aspirational lifestyles alone yeah it was like the ruby quars and you know yes yeah and the 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 tavi gevinsons yeah yeah and the caroline cowboys like caroline you know her writing is really good like i think that caroline the shit that i've read from her i like i like getting a peek into her brain like there's a reason that she was able to get the following that she got and to fleece so many people. And it's like, yeah, a lot of it could be chalked up to the fact that she's a hot, cis, rich white girl. Uh-huh. But, like... Who went to NYU went and to NYU Cambridge. went to NYU and Cambridge. And, yeah. But she also, like, is very intelligent and in knowing how to spin her life into being aspirational for, like, the chaos that ensues. Like, 
Caroline, I, Caroline Calloway has done a very great job at cashing in on what a lot of us, myself included, have been trying to cash in on, which is being chaotic. Yeah. Like being a chaotic, unabashed, unapologetic, crazy, mentally ill girl. Yeah. Who people want to be like. She's on the extremes of both sides of the spectrum of like the good and bad that has come out of the gifted child program industrial complex. But it points like a deep rot in our culture. Totally. Of, you know, it's like the way that we live in such like a monetized capitalist culture that a dream of like just being a writer then like gets wrung out and squeezed out and turned into the idea of that dream. And then Mm -hmm. you want to cash in on the idea of that dream. And that's what being an influencer is in my opinion it's like influencers are miserable people they're miserable like yeah. in my opinion and, and in a lot of their own opinions too yeah like deeply Often unwell when people speak out about their experiences in that industry i guess we could yeah. call it yeah i'd call it an industry um that like you're you're commodifying your personhood not just a specific talent or service and at its worst, you're also commodifying the people around you, too. Like, you know, yeah. the influencers that are, like, part of their influencer identity is their, like, friends and family. You know, like, David Dobrik is kind of an example of that, too, where, like, his entire appeal was, like, his group of friends. And, you know, a lot of scandals are coming out of that, too, where it's, like, when you profit off of an aspect of your life and an aspect of your, like, humanity, there is, like, ultimately prices to be paid in the arena of your life and humanity. Yeah. And, like, that is what's so, like, insidious about influencing being kind of now expected of all other artistic pursuits as well. Yeah. Is that, like, even when you're not trying to be an influencer, you're just simply trying to be a podcaster or a painter or a writer... You eventually just, like, the only option is to even tangentially participate in the influencer machine. Yeah. Let me um, list my sources before I forget. The story of Caroline Calloway and her ghostwriter Natalie from The Cut. This is an article from Vox called Who is Caroline Calloway? Um, Another one from Vice called The Short, Strange, Very Predictable story of Caroline Calloway and then her Wikipedia page and then just like honestly following her on Twitter yeah I've been like following her for years and was obsessed with her for quite a while Caroline come on the pod come on the pod Natalie (laughs) come on the pod next time you hear from us we will be back from our trip we will and um we will be um we have a live show coming up yeah um our very first Best Mistakes live show called So True Bestie. May 26th. May 26th at Parkside Lounge. Um, please check out our social medias and the description of this podcast for a ticket a ticket link. Yes. Um, and when we get back, that will be, you know, our primary focus is getting ready for that. So yeah. look forward to that. Um Test your holes. And test your drugs. And kiss your friends. On the mouth. On the mouth. Ew. Okay, bye.